Star Wars Legacy.html is brought to you by the fine folks at Cage Club. So for all things podcasts, movies, music, media, and more, head on over to cageclub.me or like, subscribe, and follow on all of your favorite social media and podcasting services. I'm Nico. And I'm Kevo. And we're here to talk about more Star Wars, but we're here to talk about some Star Wars that's not quite Star Wars anymore. And frankly, it's Star Wars that I'm not really sure will ever fully fell into the realm of Star Wars for various reasons. Reasons that make it really fascinating to talk about on top of the production team behind this installment that we're going to be discussing. So of course, we are here to talk about Clone Wars. No the. No the. Just Star Wars clone. And we couldn't do this without having as many people on hand as there are crazy Jedis in this awesome miniseries. So we have with us honorary husband jonah hi we have returning guest host dylan aloha and i'm pretty sure first time html as a couple ever we have kyle and steven hello hi everyone so we have assembled the most awesomest funnest badasserest most mcclunky team we could put together to take on Gendy Tartakovsky's The Clone Wars. For those of you who might not realize who Gendy Tartakovsky is, he's the guy probably best known for Samurai Jack and Dexter's Laboratory. So I think one of the most important things to consider is that this was the first time that Star Wars was given to someone else to play with. At least in any real serious way like this, there were other projects before this like the Ewok Adventure films or the... Ewok and droids cartoon shows, but this was meant specifically to be something that tied into the film franchise in a very major public way to help get people excited between installments. So before we can get to anything else, we gotta know, Kyle, Steven, what draws you guys to the force? Light side? Dark side? Y'all about that Mos Eisley Cantina life? Extra crispy, original recipe. Ooh, extra crispy. <laughs> It's just something that I always grew up with. My parents brought me to see the re-releases, so it's always just felt a part of my life, you know? Absolutely. I grew up with it. I know Jonah didn't as much, but Stephen, what about you? Um, Similar to Kyle, I grew up with it. I first saw Star Wars back in kindergarten when my mom needed to find something to entertain me when we were on a business trip with my dad. Watched them out of order the first time because Roman numerals are hard for a kid, but I eventually grew to love them nonetheless. You know, it's one of those things. If you don't know the order, they're not exactly originally in the most, like, ordery named. I don't think to myself, what follows the war? Empire striking back? What, no, then where did the Jedi even go? <laughs> What are they returning to? Watching Empire Strike Back last is a bit of a downer, and you really kind of get a feeling that Han is really bad about Carbonite, but eh, eventually worked itself out. <laughs> I love that, and I love that the way we don't quite yet know how to fully process the world affects the way that we view art at a young age. I, for the longest time, thought Back to the Future 2 didn't exist. I thought it was just one in three, and that two was just a joke that people were playing. I don't know why, I just had never seen it anywhere, but I'd seen one in three everywhere. Jonah, you know, you came to Star Wars late, so this was actually kind of designed with pretty much you in mind. 
Yes, that is true. And that's the thing I'm finding out about a lot of this project for HTML is that a lot of this was geared towards me. And I pretty much steered clear of a lot of it. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was a lot. I mean, it was like kind of an onslaught. There was no way to avoid Star Wars for so long. And it's not that I entirely avoided it, but it wasn't something that I really got into. And it's not my end-all, be-all fandom. This is the best way I want to put it. Dylan, though. Oh, Dylan. This was like... This was so many D-listers. I can't even. This was D-listers, E-listers, F-listers. You must have been covered in blisters. I can't even imagine how excited you must have been at all of the people who no one can name but you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, when it comes to nerdy fandoms, I am in love with the Z-list characters that nobody seems to care about. And these Clone Wars seasons... it really kind of feels like it was catering to me because it has lots of characters that maybe made a background appearance or had a few lines in some of the movies. And then we got entire episodes, even though they're short minute episodes, but we got entire episodes of them. And yeah, I, I love it. And I think it also just shows that there's lots of people out there like me that would prefer to have stories that don't focus around Annie or Obi-Wan. I feel like this series really proves exactly what you're saying. I found myself thinking about how many of these episodes or multi-parters existed almost to lend credibility to the series in terms of the popularity of certain characters. And I feel like that's true right off the bat. That first two to three parter really sets everything up. But before we can even get into that, Kevo, I feel like you've got some BTS on this CW no T. Well, I I can roll right into that off of what you're saying, because I think part of the reason that we saw a lot of the, from the films, typically non-speaking, non-focused characters in this series is because the creative team on this was given pretty free reign. This project all started in the first place when George Lucas approached Tartakovsky regarding his interest in an animated show to bridge the gap between episodes two and three, largely because Star Wars toys were not selling as well as Hasbro and Lucasfilm had hoped. So once again, as always, it all comes back to selling toys. It always kind of comes back to selling toys. And Lucas told Tartakovsky that he mostly wanted the animator's own interpretation of what these stories should be. He felt that it was important for this team to leave their own signature on the saga by coming up with their own stories. And I think that's probably why they focused on the more minor characters, so that they wouldn't do anything that could potentially harm canon that was going to be in the films. Because something else that I found that I'll probably talk more about when we get to volume two is that they very clearly had a much more focused intent for the second volume episodes to much more directly lead things into the next film. I just can't help but notice. I think the thing that Clone Wars is probably best known for is Ashoka. And here it's a no show. And I think that's certainly of note, right? So Of our team, who's seen the Clone Wars cartoon in some capacity? It's one of my favorite. Yeah, I have too. When preparing for the last episodes that we recorded, I accidentally watched the wrong thing, and I've watched a random episode of the Clone Wars TV series. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like it? It was not bad. (laughs) Well, okay. So, I think you guys can attest that there are some rather significant elements to the shape of that series that are missing from this blueprint for the Clone Wars legend. 
I would completely agree. This kind of opened the door for the kind of awesomeness of having a Star Wars cartoon, if I'm not mistaken. It's actually kind of shocking to me that these Clone Wars that we're going to be talking about were, like, the first Star Wars cartoon since, like, the 80s. And Star Wars is incredibly popular. But like we mentioned at the beginning of this, it was the first time that George Lucas kind of gave permission to someone else to do things. And, yeah, I feel like this cartoon kind of opened the door for a whole different almost kind of genre of Star Wars fans and it's really fascinating. And it's hard to believe that no one ever thought to try and do something like this in a more serious way. Ewoks and droids were a bit more Saturday morning kids cartoon and it's surprising that they hadn't tried to capitalize on this franchisability before now. Well, I think as far as, you know, why, you know, not doing something like this beforehand, I think, you know, with the prequels, they started to go into a much more galaxy-wide storytelling. I mean, certainly the original trilogy was on a galactic scale, but it was a much more focused storyline. I think the prequels opened a lot of doors to having a much more widespread storytelling aspect to them that I think uh, complemented this kind of series better than maybe the original trilogy would have. I definitely see that. It was a lot more focused on the core group in the original trilogy. And also at this time, you know, you had the, it's now the Legends canon that had built up so much over time that I think there was just more for people to work with. And it was so reinforced by the way fandom held on to every single word, it seemed. So much of this is so beloved and protected, it's not surprising that Disney wouldn't allow there to be two versions of Clone Wars in canon. I kind of think this one's a little bit off its rocker in some cool ways, and you could kind of look at it more like a legend than the actual history in some ways. Like someone telling a story of the Clone Wars rather than being an actual specific canonical representation of it. Yeah, something like that. I can definitely see that view of things especially with the way that they interpret how force powers are used in this series yeah they're intense incredibly intense (laughs) absolutely i think so much of this was just testing the limits of what they could bring star wars to with an animated aspect as opposed to being limited by what looks good on the big screen you can get away with a lot more stylized takes on the small screen in animation about the force i think you know, going forward, that's probably one area where I think maybe the series is less successful. I think there are times where it's interesting, but maybe we'll, we'll get into it more later. But I, I think it's probably one of the areas where almost I think Jenny Tartakovsky maybe struggled with to replicate that sort of Star Wars feel too. Yeah, you know, and I think it's because he has such a unique voice. Like everything Gendy, even when it's a different genre, is very Gendy. And Star Wars is so Star Warsy. Which I feel sounds ridiculous, but I kind of, you know, Star Wars is so Star Wars. The thing I get from the series a lot is when he's trying to, you know, channel the Force and what that means. get the feeling that a lot of times he defaults to what his experiences with creating scenes through Samurai Jack. A lot of times those moments really come off as something I would expect from, like, that series compared to, say, in Star Wars. You mean, like, Mace Windu beating the crap out of a robot? (laughs) Yeah, Mace Windu beating the crap out of several robots in fast succession. My precious mace and his gorgeous purple lightsaber. 
one of the things I want to mention before we get into the exact nitty gritty of the series is we're going to be talking about the series as it's presented on the DVD set. Now, that means one small change to the format. Initially, the series had the fourth episode be a standalone, breaking up the ARC Trooper two-parter. But instead, it's been repositioned for a more narrative flow along the DVD set. So we're going to be discussing it in that order as it appears on the Clone Wars Volume 1 DVD collection. You know, and we kicked everything off by talking about how many minor characters this highlighted and how many cool ways, but I feel like this introduction was 100% playing to the big leagues. It was a fascinating mini pilot in like, what, two to five minutes, all the different shots of the Clone Wars. Apparently the first shot that Tartakovsky conceived for the entire series was the opening moment of Yoda riding a creature across the desert into battle, and it's certainly a look. I love it. I feel like Yoda got away with a lot of really cool shit because he already looks like Yoda. It's not like I have to imagine a human person doing a a Yoda thing. Oh, it's Yoda. He's just being Yoda. It's hard to make that shriveled old man look too different yeah unless he's a baby (laughs) (laughs) what was everyone else's impressions of the opening episode of star wars colon clone wars i agree with what nico said that i enjoy the fact that with the first one they were like who is our absolute like hugest fan favorite and even though i do like c-listers it's a very smart move and it's probably the best one to have a story with yoda plus when it comes to the movies the prequels at this point we hadn't really seen too much of yoda and older fans who know the original three movies of course really know that there wasn't very much of yoda so it's nice that they gave him the first episode I definitely get that. Jonah, when you started this, was this sort of an interesting, different perspective on Star Wars? Or because you grew up with Star Wars so animation heavy, were you prepared for the stylization involved? No, I actually wasn't. It was a pretty, like shocking media to use for Star Wars and I know there's a lot of animation for Star Wars out there especially when I was growing up and it was very much geared towards me but this felt very different it almost felt like a removed narrative and not in any form of a bad way but it feels so different from how other Star Wars stories have been told that I found it so fascinating. I was actually really intrigued. It felt much more, the best word I can say is gritty. It it, it felt more realistic of wartime as opposed to the other Star Wars films, especially from like the prequels where it felt like it was always going on in the background. Here it's, you know, full head on and it's, it's just very different from what I expected. I really understand what you're trying to say it had a rougher feel to it in some ways like a rawness because it was so i felt like we ran right into it. there was so much difficulty for me distinguishing where one chapter ended and one chapter began kyle steven i know you guys watched it on the dvd set did you guys also feel kind of thrown by trying to figure out where one story began and one ended i know that i did there were a number of kind of weird transitions for me and with how short each of the episodes were it just everything felt very hectic and kind of like it all merged together at times i guess i definitely understand what you mean 
I think for me personally, I watched this series when it originally was aired on television. So I kind of came in used to those abrupt stops. And I th- I think subconsciously remembered where, you know, one storyline ended and began. So I almost went into it with a mindset, oh, yeah, I know what's going to happen here. Or, you know, it's going to stop abruptly kind of here because that was just how it was. But I can definitely see how someone coming into this and watching it, trying to watch this as almost like a, a start to finish film would be a thrown a little ajar by the way the storytelling is paced. Dylan, had you seen this before? I actually hadn't seen it before, and I, I actually kind of like shows that are like that. I, I like that you could maybe miss an episode or come back and catch it and kind of not really be too confused, or just that every episode is supposed to be its own mini-movie. But like Steven said, I could see where it would be confusing to people, but I actually kind of prefer it that way with Star Wars, of all things, because it is such a vast universe of stories and characters, it kind of makes sense to have episodes like that. And something I said way back when we started on Episode 1 Phantom Menace is that Star Wars, as a universe, has a specific feel to it that, you know, I have yet to come across a project, at least in film media, that I've been able to say this does not feel like Star Wars. And, you know, this cartoon definitely does get that feel down so that when you come back to it, as you say, you can come and sit in the middle of any episode and you don't feel like you're just watching something random. You know that you're watching watching a Star Wars cartoon. One of the things that made this work for me so well were these ARC troopers. I loved their design. I loved their coloration. I felt they served a really strong purpose in the narrative. I didn't feel like there was too much waste in how short these episodes were, especially when you're trying to do something as brave as minisodes. Making them filled with filler is sort of a big waste of time. Did anybody feel any specific way about the ARC troopers other than me thinking pretty? I remember as a kid, you know, being enamored just by the cool fact of them. But I think now, like, I look back at them having watched the Dave Filoni Star Wars, and one of the things that really stands out to me, and not just with the ARC Troopers, but with the clone troopers in general in this series, is how robotic they come off. I think, and not to dive too far into the you know the future with Dave Filoni's series, I think one of the things I appreciate about the the more current series is how more humanized the clones have become, and it's kind of hard to go back to that robotic nature of them. I mean, yes, they're they're soldiers, but I mean they are very dry. I love that you say that, though, because something I've been thinking about more and more is the way that it really feels like George Lucas created this war where both sides are being played by one specific person and the main ammunition of soldiers are robots and manufactured men. And I feel like he did this because at the time he had this perception that that makes it less horrible, it makes it less scary, but the thing that has been developed in the time since is is like you say, the fact that these are real people and they have personalities and wills and aspirations. And here, back when George Lucas was, you know, just go do this two weeks, make me a cartoon, they're just seen as a lot more robotic still. I think that even though they do act fairly robotic, they are still pretty badass in their abilities. I agree, they are pretty badass. Yes. <laughs> and, and no doubt, they're amazing in action. I would like to have seen more more 
around the ARC troopers, to be honest. I liked what they did throughout the series, and I think they deserved a little more screen time. I hear what you guys are saying, and my only counterpoint to that is, because they are clones, I don't mind that they're robotic, because they're not really supposed to have very unique, uh, interesting personalities. They're all made from the same person, and they all act the same, and I think that's where it comes across as robotic. I think that it actually came across that they were robotic, but still distinct, that I, I knew that the different colored ARC troopers had their different roles and were supposed to be doing different things in, in forms of commandership and ranking and stuff like that. It was, I guess, I guess I disagree with Kyle that I think there should have been more of them. I don't know if there were some episodes necessary and maybe could have focused a little more on them. Speaking of robotic, though, we should talk about the characters that were focused on more heavily instead. What did everyone make of Obi-Wan and Anakin? I think the whininess of this voice actor really captured Hayden Christensen's performance. What do you mean? I'm not whiny. I'm the best pilot in the order. Let me fly. Duh. This is the same boy who, who said oops and said sent a... A pilot ship uh, on autopilot and accidentally destroyed a droid ship? Yeah, this is a little bit more oopsie, Annie. No, this was a little bit more, and I killed them all, the women and the children, too, Annie. Oopsie! This is also Anakin that does this dramatic, like, removal of his robe in the wind before he gets into his ship. It's so Gendy, but it's Gendy that so perfectly works for what a drama queen Anakin is and will further become that, like, it's it's a perfect, like, bolt of lightning where the two connected. Who knew that it was flowy capes? Gendy knew. I also need to talk about, okay, so it's no secret that I'm kind of, like, a little anti-Sheev up in here, but, like... <laughs> I'm sorry, but putting Pop Sheev in this episode is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah, this is one of the weirdest Palpatine performances. I would, I never would have thought that I would find myself defending the original performer of the character, but here we are. It's me, it's Palpatine, I'm just sitting, how are you? It's nice to be mayor of Townsville. <laughs> I thought he needed a lozenge. He did. He needed many lozenges. Several lozenges. Who's the mayor's assistant in... Bellum. Who would be Miss Bellum? Jar Jar. Jar. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't plan that. We both said Jar Jar at the same time. Sarah Jar Jar Bellum. <laughs> uh, on the topic of Palpatine, and we're maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves, does he keep a pair of, like, mangled dentures in his desk? Because whenever he's on the freaking, like, walking hologram thing, he's got, like, the mangled teeth that he's supposed to have, like, after he goes through the episode three transformation, even though that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> That really bothered oh, me. maybe he's always had bad teeth, and he normally puts in good fake teeth, but when he got age-faced, they rotted. Like Parker Posey and Josie and the Pussycats! No? Well, she has bad teeth, and she puts in fake teeth. <laughs> yeah. I believe you. But you do bring up a really, really, really great point to think about, where, like, imagine Sheev getting into character so he can contact his minions through his holograms, like, putting on the special robe and, like, practicing the voice. <laughs> <coughs> Excellent. No, not that. Excellent. Yes, that's the one. Okay. Hit, hit dial. Excellent. Damn it, I did the wrong one. Fucking kill that one and get me a new one. <laughs> Which he would do. He would do that. Sheev don't give no shits. Sheev has no time for your shit. I'm just thinking now of Sheev being the new mascot for Fixident. <laughs> I've literally been thinking Darth Polygrip this entire time. <laughs> 
are you tired of always having to fix your dentures after using force lightning? <laughs> Why, it's polygrip lightning. This is kind of a Star Wars Grease crossover. <laughs> You'd think he'd be able to use the force power. <laughs> Behold the power of these fully armed and operational dentures. <laughs> oh my god. That... I've never needed anything more in my life. And I just feel like Darth Vader would constantly be like poking him in the teeth with his lightsaber. See what he does? These like these teeth can survive anything. I wonder if these teeth have one small fall safe in them. Like where like if you get a piece of corn in this one exact spot, these dentures will self-destruct. Probably. You have to get a cob fighter in there. So on that horrifying note, we got to see a little bit more of the ARC troopers in action. And I'll admit, this is where it got a little bit chunky. This is where I had a little trouble following the story all the way through. At times it just kind of felt like it was jumping character to character with no real direction. I did think it was cool that the banking clan world's buildings were all designed to look like US currency. It, you know, mostly looked like Townsville if you tinted it all green. But still, I thought that was a nice touch. Or as Kyle said, why are we attacking the Emerald City when we've watched this? At last, at last, we're almost there. You know, and I do think it's beautiful and it gives it a light pop. It gives it something special. But there's a way in which Star Wars painted backgrounds really are missing here. That very like, you know, like when you know that guy who's like, I'm a very outdoorsy guy. And he's got a lot of giant portraits of horses at sunset sponsored by Budweiser. It's very those kinds of sunsets. They're Clydesdales. It's a very Clydesdale in Arizona kind of sunset. And I feel like they're randomly missing from this. Yeah, it's all a bit washed out. Yeah, I think that's the downfall of this type of animation, unfortunately. But it's definitely something that gets brought back during the Dave Filoni series. Dylan, I think you and Jonah, this next sequence was made for you. There's a hot, muscular guy who's kind of hard to figure out where he goes in canon. He's sexy. He blows stuff up. No one knows his name. He's a monster. It's very proto-shape of water. You mean Kit Fisto? The underwater aquatic dreadlock tentacle man? Oh my god, I forget his name every time. You'll get caught up with the Kid Fister! Wait, not oh Kid Fister? <laughs> oh, jeez. No. 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 No, it's um, like a boxer's name. Yeah, not kid hyphen fister. <laughs> Jesus! He's not here. Are we on a list again? <laughs> We've never gotten off of it, no matter how much oh, we try. Welcome to the list. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, you've managed to, I think, avoid HTML this whole time. I... You know, Eddie from Rap Battle is the one who put us on it. Oh. <laughs> no, I thought it was... Oh, no, it might be a separate list, because we have one over on Nexus for a podcast. We're talking about Danny and uh, body swaps with Kitty. And I'm on a list because of now and again. This is too many lists. Steven, welcome to all of the lists. It's a collective viral list. List. I guess that makes this list of viral. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> That's gonna be cut. <laughs> what did I walk into? <laughs> you walked into a cutting room floor just, moment. Just, just shut off your computer. It was nice to meet you. Thanks. <laughs> Throw the dumpster. But Dylan, for real, what are your thoughts on um, Cat Flasher? Mon Calamari, one of the most lazily named planets in Star Wars. <laughs> 
I love him, of course. Of course, liking the Z-listers. I just like that they gave us another Jedi to learn more about. But I also love that they gave us a Jedi that's an alien. Because I am... When it comes to Star Wars movies, I would prefer that if we're watching a movie about space, that we have more main characters or characters that have speaking roles that are actually aliens. And yeah, he's... He's a favorite of mine. Especially when we've been talking about how an underlying recurring theme of Star Wars is that they are specious against non-humanoids and non-homo sapiens. The fact that we aren't seeing more non-human Jedi, like, they're supposed to be the good guys. Why are they being elitist? Ah. Exactly. When, Especially when it comes to Star Wars, again, even though... It's what I'm about to talk about is episode four, five, and six. But like, even back when those movies came out, the fan favorites were the droids and Yoda and Chewie. Like, make more aliens that are main characters. Now, what do we make of how extremely high-powered Kit Fisto was in this? Because he does, like, some wild shit. First of all, a lightsaber that works underwater. Is that a thing that (laughs) counts in canon still? I was gonna look it up, I forgot. (laughs) You've seen lightsabers sizzle in the rain, so I don't understand. I don't not accept it. I just want, you know, answers. (laughs) Well, they do pretty much, in the Dave Filoni Clone Wars, pretty much do this episode as a full series of episodes. So, yes, in Disney canon, lightsabers have worked underwater. And I like the fact that they took the time to animate, like, the boiling of the water around the saber. That was a really cool effect in this episode. Yeah, that was a really great detail, and... It made me happy that they decided to focus on something like that. And I genuinely appreciate knowing that they essentially translate this arc for the Star Wars colon The Clone Wars series, because that's even part of why this was kicked out of canon by Disney. A lot of these stories were purposely retold because the two series can't really sit next to each other with all the changes that were made for the better by Dave Filoni. So I'm glad to know that. Guys, I love this series and I loved getting to start talking about it but it just seems like there's never enough time to force in as much star wars as we want so we're gonna have to cut this guy right down the dirge and i want to know before we part ways guys we're gonna pick things up on kit fisto next episode but these first five parts what's everybody feeling i'm feeling excited for the potential that they're presenting me for the star wars universe if a little unsure how it all comes together what about you guys i'm honestly not sure how i feel about this series at this point it still feels a little foreign to me uh, when compared to the stories that are part of canon but i like where gendy has decided to take things with it i agree with what kyle said i am excited to see someone else's take on the star wars universe with more of these episodes And like I mentioned earlier, I'm excited to learn more about other characters that are not the go-to favorites of the world of Star Wars. I think for me personally, I remember, you know, when I watched this as a kid, you know, being enamored with the series, but I think, you know, with the passage of time and, you know, with things like Dave Filoni's Star Wars, I've actually, you know, come back and watching it again. It doesn't hold up quite as well for me. There are aspects of it I like, but I think there's a lot of it that, you know, the problem I have is I can't shake the feeling that, you know, maybe Gindy relied too heavily on his experiences and on his uh, way of doing things with series like Samurai Jack that don't play quite as well with Star Wars. 
And, you know, just because they both kind of trace back to the idea of a samurai, there's no real reason they should. I really appreciate that perspective on growth. I found this series very fascinating. And I, while watching this, I was really excited to see what would happen next. But I also know that it still felt different. Something felt weird and not a bad kind of weird. It was more an unfamiliar kind of weird. Every time that I've seen Star Wars, everything, whether you liked it or not, it still felt like cohesion. It felt like it all went together. Here, it felt... Like, it was unsure of what it was trying to be. Like, it was a different show just painted as Star Wars. It really got, like, almost like they skinned something else with Star Wars. Kevo, where do you stand on this journey into the Clone Wars? You know, I think ultimately at the end of the day it's mostly a beautiful piece of art that was done by people who george lucas didn't really give a lot of direction or attention to and they sort of made this product all in two weeks as best they could and came up with something that from everything we've discussed so far certainly lives up to the spirit of star wars but it's one of the many many reasons that i love and i'm always so happy for remakes because there's so much in here that deserves so much more depth and focus and until we come back to give it that sort of attention depth and focus kyle as a first time htmler it was so great to have you and steven it has been such a blast bringing you to the network so guys where can everybody find you well you can find me on both twitter and instagram at drantus82 you can usually find me through kyle because i'm one of those weirdos that doesn't spend much time on social media <laughs> We have a number of those where they're like, you can find me on the next episode of this. Stop asking. <laughs> I only pretend I have social media for the sake of this network. Dylan, Jonah, I know everybody can find you guys along with Kyle over on X's for podcast. But where can everybody find you until then? Everybody can find me on Facebook at my X-Men Facebook group. That is called House of X, or you can find me on Instagram at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N. Jonah? If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah, or you can find me on other episodes of HTML. Reach out and touch, Joge. Kevo, as always, it's a blast to talk about our favorite things together. Where can everybody find you other than all over this network on shows like X's for Podcasts, the back catalog of HTML, or our amazing, inclusive, awesome webcomic Kid Riot over at KidRiotComics.com? You can find me over on Instagram and Twitter at Kevo Reilly, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y, and you can find me posting on the Facebook page for this lovely program at Real Nico Kevo Action over on the Face Bouquet. Nico, where can the folks find you? You guys can find me all over this amazing network or over on my Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Don't forget to check out our awesome back catalog. And until next time, guys, enjoy the great bigness that is space. And may the force Bye. And may Bye. the force be with you and also with your force ghost. So long. And with the holy forest. Kid Fister. <laughs> oh my god, no. No! no. no. I quit. I quit. <laughs>